Hey folks, here we are. It's Friday, February 3rd, and, and it's an amazing day. It's chilly-ass cold, but the sun is out, and, and uh, going to be colder tonight. It's going to be down to the five degrees, single digits tonight. But it's winter time, and it's supposed to be that way. It is known that if it doesn't freeze hard for at least two or three weeks during the winter, then, then enough of the bugs in the ground don't get killed and frozen. Uh, so we have a buggy summer uh, when the weather gets nice. So there is benefits to everything that happens if you but look at it. You know, if you look at life with all negative, end up with a negative mindset and a negative outlook and a pessimistic outcome. So you can't win being negative. You have to build and develop that positive attitude. You have to find, make a decision to find the glass half full, not half empty. I'm Tom Young and we're here for AnchorFM.com podcast called Money Shifts. <clears throat> we're going to continue our story today uh, about banking and economics and, and, and what is going on and who is really at fault for the demise and the situation that we're in today. And we're going to talk about that. We start every presentation with prayers. We pray for everyone in the world that has been touched or affected by this COVID vaccine, the COVID virus that came out of Wuhan, China whether it was released accidentally or purposely, maybe we'll never ever know. But I have my own opinions about the relationship between us in America and China, uh, and, and people just need to wake up. So we pray for everybody that has had their health impaired by the virus or the vaccine in some way. We pray for those who have lost loved ones Especially we pray for the loved ones who have been lost. That the Lord would open his arms and gather them into his kingdom of heaven above. In Jesus' name we pray. We also pray for Ukraine and Russia. That somehow they would find some kind of peaceful solution to this stuff going on in Ukraine. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, it's interesting as, as we do this and, and more often than not, it just seems I have all these little quotes and things that I like to use. And it seems like they are just so appropriate. Today, we, we have a new person that we're going to do quotes from. This is Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin lived from 1706 to 1790. He was an American printer, publisher, author, inventor, scientist, and diplomat. Benjamin Franklin is best remembered for his role in separating the American colonies from Great Britain and in helping to frame the Declaration of Independence. Franklin continues his effort as an inventor and scientist throughout his diplomatic career, inventing the Franklin stove, bifocal spectacles, and the lightning rod. He was the first to institute such public services as the fire department, lending library, and a learning academy, which later became the University of Pennsylvania. He served as a delegate to the Second Continental Congress and then traveled to France to seek military and financial aid for the warring colonies. 
Franklin was also one of the diplomats chosen to negotiate peace with Britain at war's end, was instrumental in achieving the adoption of the U.S. Constitution. And our quote today, if you desire many things, many things will seem few. Interesting. If you desire many things, many things will seem few. As, as we look around the world and continue our story, we have been talking about the Club of Rome, the Texas Railroad Commission and OPEC. The gold standard in 1972 was taken off the table because OPEC had driven the price of oil in three years from $1.27 a barrel of crude to $12 a barrel of crude from 1969 to 1972. Forced to take off, get off the gold standard and open Pandora's box to fractional banking. The banks can now create money from nothing and loan it out multiple times on paper. Fractional banking is unique. You put a dollar in the bank, the bank actually creates $7 of value on average could be a dollar or two more or a dollar or two less. But seven is the average. Now, how does that work? You put a dollar in the bank, they're going to loan it out to somebody else. When they loan money out, they get collateral. They take the collateral and they go to the Federal Reserve window and turn the collateral back into cash. So that's two turns on the money. They loan it out again, get collateral in exchange for the loan, take the collateral to the Federal Reserve window, exchange it for cash. Now that's the third time. Do you get the idea? And on average, they turn that dollar seven times. That was the example that I made in the other day about 1990 when Greenspan took interest rates from 9% being paid on CDs down to 3%. Loans being 15% interest down to 9% interest. And it took the, the bank's net profit margin to 200%. So it saved the banks, saved the FDIC, which is the government insurance program that the banks pay a fee into. Now, when I say the banks pay a fee into, that means that's a, that's a fee that gets paid out of our money in the bank. That's really what it amounts to. It's just like when the government spends money, it's not their money, it's our money they're distributing to other people. Well, our decade of the decade of the 90s was really kind of unique. It was called the dot-com boom and the stock market went crazy. By 1999, it was believed that everybody that had a 401k was going to be a multimillionaire when they retire because of the stock market. Then 2000 and 2001 came along and the stock market dropped like a lead ball by as much as 40 to 50%. People lost a lot of money and were brought back into the reality. However, in 1999, President Clinton told the banks that you will loan money to people on that side of the tracks. Now, that was a, an analogy that, you know, people, the banks will loan money to everybody, even the ones that won't pay it back. 
And, and by history, we know those people won't pay it back. But those bank loans were made. There was a million mortgages made to people in the Virginia area that were illegal aliens. They weren't even citizens. And what was driving this energy of making mortgages to everybody was the fees that were involved with the people that actually made the mortgage. They were the salesman, they were the broker, the go-between between you and the banks to make these mortgages. There were exorbitant fees that were paid and, and people made an unbelievable amount of money, which ended up being part supported by the federal government in, in what was done with these loans. So now when we look at the loans that were being made, all of this laid the groundwork. Now, where did it start? It was Bill Clinton mandated that the banks would loan money to everybody, even people over on that side of the tracks. So they started to make loans and the banks in the beginning Okay, and they realized very quickly that these loans, these mortgage loans they were making, were not going to have a lot of credibility. So what the banks did was kind of unique, is they colluded with the financial world, and they would bundle these mortgages after they were done. They would bundle them, and they would sell them to Wall Street. And Wall Street would bundle them and sell them as an investment. These are first mortgages. These are unbelievably high quality. So they started to find investors to invest in them. So they purchased all these blocks of mortgages from the banks. And AIG was the biggest investor in all of this. And a bunch of fat old men sitting at a table on the board of AIG decided, hey, I think we can make a lot of money doing this. So these mortgages, what we're going to do is we're going to offer credit default swaps. No, credit default swaps. That's what they were called. So the portfolios of mortgages that were put together, it was found that they had a very high percentage of failure rate in those portfolios. So AIG said, we will insure those portfolios for a fee to make money. And if the mortgages go bad, we'll buy the mortgage. And which they did, and guess what? They bundled them and tried to sell them again as, as B-grade mortgages, you know, as high-risk investments. So therefore, they, they charged a higher fee, et cetera, et cetera. Well, AIG got caught with their pants down when all of this started to crumble. Now we're in 2008. Everybody remember that? The banks melted down in 2008. Now, what was that? These derivatives that are issued by the banks in the financial world to the tune of trillions of dollars, like 70 no, not 70, $700 billion of, of these credit default swaps. Let me get my numbers right in my mind. And, and one quarter of 1% of those derivatives failed, which brought the banks down. Now, what really happened? 
one of the mutual fund or companies or a couple of them where people had money in a money market fund at a mutual fund company. Now, a money market fund at a mutual fund company is an investment. It is not guaranteed, nor is it insured by the FDIC. So a couple of these money market funds in mutual funds dropped below a dollar a share. They went down to like 94 cents on the dollar. So picture you have a money market account with a mutual fund company, your perception, remember that perspective, perception is, is how you interpret it. Your perception is that these are like bank accounts and oh, they could never go down in value. Well, all of a sudden your bank account lost 6% of its value and went down to 94 cents on the dollar. And what that created was a run on the banks. So all of a sudden, everybody realized what was happening and they started to take their money out. And therefore, in that process, the government determined that these institutions were too big to let fail. So AIG got an influx of $85 billion, $85 billion of taxpayers' money to bail out these fat old men in Wall Street that made stupid ass decisions, lost a fortune, and we bailed them out. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I've had mutual funds and I've had investments and I have lost money in the market. Where was my bailout? Where was my bailout? That's the point of this talk today. We have to wake up folks. There are things going on behind the curtain. The Wizard of Oz story is real, but you got to pull the curtain back to see what is really going on. We need to stand up and voice our objections to what's happening in Washington. We need to vote out politicians that have found and made a career of politics. That is not in our best interest. I don't care which side of the aisle you are on. And the rest of the story will come next week. We will talk more about this debacle that is almost like it's planned and caused by politicians who make stupid ass decisions to somehow further their own gain and stay elected. Yep, my book, The Family Money Farm, The CFO Project, there it is. You can get it at cfo-project.com. There it is, going across the screen. Go there, put your name and email address in, and you will get an email with a link to download both of my new books, The Family Money Farm, The CFO Project, and The Financial Mastery Coaching Blueprint, which is an ebook. God bless you all. We'll see you again in a few days, and we will keep the story going. Tell people about me, folks. Share the channel. Share what's going on, and we will continue the story of how to maximize the efficiency of our money, how to survive the coming crash, storm, whatever you want to call it. It is upon us as we sit here and talk today. 
God bless you all. Talk to you in a couple of days.